0: good one. But <laughs> right, you open up your Bibles to 2 John. You know what happens when a, a, a Bronco fan uh, sees his team win the Super Bowl. You know what happens? He gets up and he shuts off the PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> you like that one? Huh? Sam, a... Okay. We got, the... we got two Sams here. We got a Sam and a Sam right behind him. And a, and a Joe in between them. Um, we're in 2nd John <coughs> verse 4 and we're going to be looking at verses 4 to 6 um, right after uh, seminary it was towards the end of uh, my last year's seminary uh, two great things happened to me um, that changed my life forever one was I met Katie and that was amazing, and, um, and I thank God. I actually flew on a plane to come meet her here, and that was, that was fun. And then I met a pastor who was from Sheraton, Iowa. Anybody ever been to Sheraton, Iowa? Uh, no stoplights. All right. And growing up in New York City and Florida and different places I grew up, to be in a place with no stoplights was very hard for me. And, and and God God allowed me to be a, a youth pastor at that time. I was an assistant pastor helping with the youth. And boy, we had some youth. I mean, imagine these guys, you know. I mean, this was, this was, it was, was they're just so different, you know, from being from this town and no stoplights and nothing like that, and me coming from New York and saying, how you doing, you know. You know, it was a, it was kind of like, at, at first, it was really hard to get to know them and, and uh, do different things with them. Anyway, I decide, you know what? For the summer, we're going to go on a mission trip. And in the mission trip, guess where we're going? New York City, amen? We're going to take these Iowans, and we're going to get in a car with them, we're going to take them to the promised land. So we're there 24 hours with these kids in the car. I mean, 24 hours with a youth group in the car. is not easy. I had more hair before that happened. But anyway, we're together, and there's this really tall kid, You know, it's really tall. He must have been at least 5'9". And he's like, you know, he's up there, you know what I mean, compared to my height. And, um, you know, and he played tennis. And his name was Marshall. And, uh, and, And we went, and it was amazing. This guy, this kid with the kids that week, the VBS, we had a block party. We had all kinds of kids. He was so nice. It was just amazing how God... Worked in his life. So we went out. We did evangelism together. We did all kinds of things. Well, who knew that that impacted Marshall's life? Marshall went off to Bible college. Marshall became a pastor. A few months ago, Marshall writes me. He says, I'm so thankful for the impact you made in my life that continues to this day. I prayed for you and your family. Wow. A New York City guy going down to a town with no stoplights. Hanging out with this guy that's tall and linky. And God used him in great ways. And to say that he's still walking with the Lord and been impacted by God. That's an, that, that excites you. That excites you. Look at verse 4. Look at, look at, look at John. He's elated. He's excited. He's encouraged. Look at this. He says, I was very glad to find what some of your children walking in truth. What what he's saying here is somehow John either through he came across, he saw some of them or or he got a letter from some of them or he got he got some kind of message from someone else about them. But what he says here in verse four, I am so excited. And and literally in the Greek it says this, I am so excited that I found out of your children. See, he's realistic. He doesn't say all of your children are walking in truth. He's saying, I found out of your children some of them that are walking in truth. In other words, he's excited, but he's also realistic. Because he knows, and you know, that not everybody we talk to, we have an impact in their lives and all of a sudden they're walking with God for the rest of their lives. How many of us know people that aren't walking with God? Anybody? We all do. How many have had ministries with people and talked to people and, and prayed with people who want nothing to do with God? In, in that same youth group that Marshall was in, there was another kid named Brad. Brad, had, had, he struggled with, with girls. In fact, he, he, he got a girl pregnant while he was a teenager. And I remember him getting before the church. And I don't know why that all happened. But he got before the church. And, and uh, he said, hey, I'm going to be a daddy. He was just a young kid. I'm going to be a daddy. Pray for me. Never forget that. And then the same Brad made an ultimatum with another girl. He said, you know what? If you don't meet me by the train station at this time, I'm going to kill myself. The girl never showed up. And Brad took his life. Same youth group. There are times when we have some that are walking with God. There are times when people deviate and go their own way. But what I love about John here in verse 4 is he's not focused on the ones that are deviating. He's focused on the ones that are walking in the truth. It is exciting him to see those in verse 4 that are actually embracing God's truth and walking in the truth. He's elated over it. In fact, he uses two different words. He says, I was very glad. He doesn't just say I was glad. I was very glad to find this. It's amazing. It should excite us when we see God's people embracing the truth. Now notice what it says here in verse 4. Because he says here, I find some of your children walking in truth. And literally what he's saying here is, I find some that are living in harmony with God's word. Now, now, here's what's, what's sad about our society. A lot of people are walking in what they think they should walk. Or a lot of people walk in what they feel they should walk. It's all about feelings or experience or, or thoughts. We ought to be walking in God's revelation. In God's truth. He says here, I am excited because they are walking in truth. In God's truth. According to revelation. Here's what I love. When the Bible talks about walk, it talks about our conduct. It talks about our life. It talks about walking in different things. Did you know? Let me read a couple of them to you. We are the walk in the newness of life. That's what, that's what Daniel is going to be showing when he gets baptized here. He is walking in the newness of life. He is publicly showing the world that. We are the walk by faith and not by sight. Wow, that's a tough one. We are the walk in the Spirit, abide the Spirit. We are the walk in good works, we see in Ephesians. We are to walk in a manner worthy of God. And we are to walk as Jesus has walked. And let me just tell you what he's saying here. We are to walk in truth. We are to walk in God's revelation. And what God has said in his Bible. And notice what he says here. He says here, Just as we received commandment to do from the Father. You say, what is it walking in revelation? What does that mean? Well, let me show you a verse here. 1 John Chapter 3, verse 23, he tells us what this is here. Notice this here, what the command is, walking in the commandments of God as we receive from God. Notice this here. What does he say? This is his commandment. Now, don't miss this. What does God want? What is walking in the truth? Here it is. This is his commandment. This is what he has commanded. Notice the first part, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? You want to know what walking in the truth means? Walking in the truth means that our faith is in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Yes. Walking in the truth means that we have trusted in His name. That means who He is and what He has done. We have put our faith alone in Him. We are walking in the truth by walking and believing in Jesus Christ. Now notice this here. Notice the second part. You say, that's the easy part. I like that part. What about the second part? This is His commandment. Singular. He doesn't make it commandments. It's one commandment. That we believe... And that we believe, and guess what? That we do what? Love one another. <laughs> there it is. You see, we can't have one without the other. We can't say, I believe in God, but I can care less about someone else. We can't say that I, I, I love other people without loving God. They go together. We believe in God, and we love others. Now, now watch this here. Let's, let's look at verse 5. Look at this. He's saying, now, now he changes his tone. He says, you know what? I'm so happy, I'm so excited that I hear that some of you are, are walking in truth, are walking according to God's revelation that you, you've received the commandment to believe in, in, in Jesus and to love others and you're doing that. Now, he says here in verse 5, I want to ask you something. I'm changing his tone. He says, I'm not, I'm not commanding you. To, I just want to ask you, dear lady. And he's talking about the church there. And here's what he says. I'm not writing something new. This is not something new. We've seen this before in 1 John. We're going to see it again. But look what he says here. I'm not writing something new to you, but the one which we have from the beginning. Here it is. What is he saying we should do? You get saved, and guess what happens? After you get saved, what do you do? You love one another. Now, now, let me just tell you this. We're going to talk about what love, what love is, in a moment. But, but, but you love one another. Now, notice this. This is present tense. This is continual loving one another. And notice what it is. It's mutual love. It's reciprocal love. It's not just I love you and you don't love me. No, it's I love you and you love me. It's reciprocal. It is loving one another. This is this is what I love about this church. I, I love how 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 this is be put in practice all the time. I remember when when Sarah needed somebody to go there and, and, and help her. And right away, somebody was there helping her. And then Sarah, during the uh, trunk retreat, brought cookies. She's loving back. She's not just getting love. She's loving back. It's reciprocal. But some people say, well, what if I don't like Sarah? <laughs> now, people are scared hey, amen. Look at Sarah. He actually moved away from it. Cause that's what people do in the church. Yeah I, yeah, I know I'm supposed to love people, but there's some people that rub me the wrong way. I don't dislike i don't even like them. I mean, Sarah baked cookies. Oh, oh for you guys, not for me. And Sarah, being from California, thinks she's all that. now one ain't many. Boy, Sam is gonna knock me out after this one, huh? Notice what it says here. It doesn't say we need to like them. It does say we need to love them. And let me just tell you something. There are going to be people, even in our midst, that we may not like. They're different. They may rub you the wrong way. They may say things that really bother you. They may treat you differently. He doesn't say, look, this is something you heard from the beginning, that y'all need to like each other. No, he doesn't say that. What he's saying is this. We need to love, consistently love one another, and it needs to be reciprocal. It needs to be one another, not just me loving you. you loving back. How does that happen? What is this love that he's he's talking about? Look at verse 6. He's going to tell us here. This is love. He doesn't go towards the emotions. He doesn't focus on the feelings. Boy, I tell you, these these cadets, when they meet somebody and they fall in love for the first time, it's all about what? Feelings. Oh, I just love you. My heart's beating a thousand. You're so wonderful. And then then they're waiting to hear those back, but they don't hear it back. I appreciate you. And then you hear those words for the first time from a girl, oh, I love you. And you're like, wow, this is great. And it's all about superficial stuff. Until you get married, then you'll see whether or not there's love. When you're in the car, and you're sweating, and she's freezing. And she puts the heat on. Let me see if you feel like loving her in that moment. He doesn't focus on any feelings here. This is what I love about verse 6. Look at this. He said, this is love. He's not going to go right to the feelings. He's not going to go. You know, he's going to go right to the word of God. He says, and this is love. We'll define what love is here. This agape love. This seeking the welfare of the other person. We 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 are challenged with that every moment of our lives. This is not a forced love. It's not a, a feeling love. This is, this is a, a, what God says in his word love. I, I was hit with, a, with, with something that really got me before we move on here. Do you love your children? I could say, yes, I love my children. Here's a test. Ready for this test? When you sit down on the couch, do you watch your shows or do you watch their shows? Hmm. That means... I got to make a choice between watching my favorite game shows or How to Train a Dragon. I don't like How to Train a Dragon. It's a dumb show. They love it. So who wins? That tells you who you love more. See, he says, this is love. Watch what love is. It's not a feeling. It's not, it's not forced upon us. This is something that God says. Now watch how he plays here in verse 6. This is amazing. I love this verse. He says there, And this is love, that we walk according to his what? Commandments. It's plural there. Right? That means that in the Bible, there are different manifestations of love that God wants us to show to one another. It's not just one way. And then he goes back, instead of saying this is this is just plural here, he says it's singular. Look at this in verse 6. This is the commandment. Yes. So in other words, he's saying there's one command to love, but there's different ways to manifest that love to people. You say, well, how do I manifest that love? Well, let me let's just show you here in verse 6 before we get there. This is the commandment. Just as you have heard from the beginning... That you should walk in it. We should be walking in love. Our lives should be characterized by love for one another. For seeking the welfare of the other person. For putting their needs above our needs. But it's not easy. So look what it says here in 1 Thessalonians 5.15. I want to show you something. 1 Thessalonians 5.15. Watch this. It says this, 1 Thessalonians 5.15, it should be up there in the verses there, 1 Thessalonians 5.15, wake them up. I still love you, don't like you right now, but I love you, 1 Thessalonians 5.15, I'm kidding, look what it says here, see that no one does what, repays evil for evil, somebody doesn't do you good, we have no right to not do them good, no right, but look at this, But always seek after that which is good. How many of you like to hunt? Anybody hunters here? You guys are hunters? Why? Why do people do that? Why do they freeze on a mountain waiting for a turkey when you can get it for Safeway for five hours? People like it. But hunting, people like to hunt. Is hunting easy? No, hunting is not easy. It's inconvenient. This is what he's saying here. You should be always seeking, always hunting, how we can do good for one another. we got to hunt it out. It's sometimes inconvenient. We don't like it. It's sometimes, it really takes us out of our comfort zone. But here's what he's saying. We don't repay evil for evil. We don't live that way. But we go out on a hunt To see how we can love one another. Well, that's not easy. This means we get to to know each other. This means we actually talk to one another. This means we actually greet one another. This means we actually don't just give that response. How you doing today? Fine? This means we open our hearts to one another. This means we are genuine and authentic with one another. And this means when we hear a need, we meet that need. We hunt after it. What's going on in their lives? How can I help them? What what, what are they struggling with? What's their burdens in their life? How can I pray for them? What's going on? We're at all different stages of life, all different things that people are going through right here in our midst. And so we hunt and we get to know what's going on. And then not only do we hunt, we meet that need once we see it. And you know what we do it for? One another. And guess what? For all people. It doesn't just stop in this building. We hunt after everyone. What's their needs? What's the community's needs? What's the high school's needs? What's, what's, what's at the airport? What are their needs? What are their needs? We hunt. We go after it. You say, Jeremy, show me a few things in the Bible that would help me to understand people's needs. Thank you. I'm going to show you about a hundred right now. Um, Actually, I'll show you a few here. Look at this here. You want to see some needs here? Look at this here. Next verse. "Live, Live in harmony with one another. You know what a need is here? We are to be the same mind toward one another. We are to be the same mind and not to be haughty in mind. You know what it's saying there? We ought not to think that we're God's gift to the world. We ought to to be able to relate to one another. And pride gets in that way because we think that we are better than other people. We are not. We are saved by the grace of God. And the moment we think that we're up here and people are down here and they don't deserve my love, you missed it. Because we don't deserve the very love of God. So we live in what? Harmony with one another, knowing and, and outdoing them in honor. It's amazing what it says here. Don't be wise in your own eyes or estimation. Don't be wise, but associate with those who are lowly. Look at this next one here. You know how we can we can hunt for each one, we can bear one another's burdens. We can care for one another. I love this. Be the next verse here. When I was yesterday doing the baptismal and Getting that all ready, Caleb came out of the car and said, can I help you? Is there any way I can help you? Look at this here. Then the next verse here, it says we are to to serve one another. That's a way to love one another. We use the gift that God has given to us to serve one another. We, we, We see a need, we meet a need. We want to serve one another. We're free in Christ, so let's serve one another. Let's look at this next one. Encourage and lift up one another. Somehow he's got out of order here. But the next one here. encourage. There we go. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You know what he's saying there? Do you get discouraged? You better believe it. Do we, get, do we feel defeated at times? You better believe it. What should we do? We should hunt after one another and see how we can lift each other up. And then this one, the easy one here that people say all the time, is the next one is to pray for one another. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and to pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. It's amazing what God can do through prayer. This week, while we were at Bob Jones and in a conference there, I got um, a text message from one of my former students that graduated this year from the seminary down in Peru and he he asked me he said Jeremy I want to go to Venezuela I want to go we want to go my whole family wants to go we don't have enough money can you pray for us and see if you know what God would have you to do but I'm not I'm just I just will you pray for us will you pray for us so Katie and I we talked about it we said okay we're going to help him so so we, we, they're going up and they send a picture. We're on the bus. Thank you, Pastor. We can we can get to go see my family. Thank you so much. I just want to thank you. And they send a picture of him, his wife, and the two children. The bus stops, they get off the bus and they get on the motorcycle. If you've ever been in South America, you get on these motorcycles, you sit in the back of the motorcycle, and, and they're getting they're going to immigration to get their passport stamped so they can get to Ecuador. The guy goes, um you know what, there's a lot of protests. I'm going to take you on a different road so you don't hit the protest. They take them eight minutes off the road. Here comes guns. They get kidnapped and they get robbed. Mm. The thieves push around this guy and they push around his young son and they thought they were going to get killed. But the thieves somehow... I don't know how this, through prayer, through, through God protecting them, said to them, you know what? We're not going to kill you. In fact, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you money so you get back to Peru, but don't try to cross here. You know how much money they gave them? The exact amount that we gave them. He writes me. Of all the pastors and people he could have talked to, he wrote me. And you can hear it in his voice, how scared he was. I mean, it rattled him. It would rattle you. It would rattle me. And he says, Pastor, I want to ask you for a big favor. A big favor. And I'm thinking in my mind, uh uh-oh, here it comes. He's going to ask for more money, right? He says, Pastor, they robbed everything from me. They took my my notebooks, everything. They took everything from me. Cell phone, everything. They took everything. He said, would you please send the notes that you taught in that class? (laughs) Because I want to go and teach that to Venezuela. Here's a guy that gets robbed, everything taken from him. And what is he thinking about? God's kingdom and the notes that he can teach to other people. So, what did I say? Ah, I'll do it to you another day. No, hunt to meet needs. We are channels. And what John is saying in this passage, he's saying this look, I am so excited. (laughs) To see that some of you are doing it. You're you're walking in the commandment, you're believing the name of Jesus, and you're you're living a life of love. And remember what love is. Love is not this kind of feeling that just happens automatically because people we like, we're just going to do it to one another. No! Love is according to what the Bible says love is. And we got to hunt after it. We got to look at it. We got to see how can I love you? And then we see it and we say, God, help me to meet that need. And we never know what God is going to do in lives. So let's pray. And let's ask God. And I heard a great illustration. We are to love one another with brotherly affection, just like we would our own families. We don't go to a family reunion and tell people, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. You're fine. Thank you. Fine. Take care. Fine. Fine. No, we open up our hearts. We talk to them. We love them. That's how we love here. So who are you hunting after? Ask God to use you as an instrument in his hands, and he will. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we we never know how you're going to use the little things that we have to offer. God I pray that you would help us to go on a hunt and to be intentional with one another and to ask one another how can I pray for you what are your needs how can I be here for you not everyone wants that there's some that reject it some that tell us I'm okay pray for someone else Go help someone else. I got it all taken care of. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to be instruments in your hands. And to really put this into practice. We have heard it over and over how we should love one another. But God, are we loving according to what the Bible says love is? It's not a feeling. It is seeking after the welfare of others. And putting their needs above our needs. So help us to be that. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for your wonderful word. Be glorified now as we're about to do a baptism. And God, I pray that you receive all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I will sing the last song and then we'll shoot out of here.